Section 8 of The Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Sayings of Epictetus by Epictetus. Translated by Hastings Crossley. Aphorisms 176 through 188 and Appendixes A and B. Aphorism 176 When a man prides himself on being able to understand and interpret the writings of Chrysippus, say to yourself, if Chrysippus had not written obscurely, this fellow would have had nothing to be proud of. But what is it that I desire? To understand nature and to follow her. Accordingly, I ask who is the interpreter. On hearing that it is Chrysippus, I go to him but it seems I do not understand what he wrote, so I seek one to interpret that. So far there is nothing to pride myself on, but when I have found my interpreter, what remains is to put into practice his instructions. This itself is the only thing to be proud of, but if I admire the interpretation and that alone, what else have I turned out but a mere commentator instead of a lover of wisdom? Except, indeed, that I happen to be interpreting Chrysippus instead of Homer. So when anyone says to me, Prithee, read me Chrysippus, I am more inclined to blush when I cannot show my deeds to be in harmony and accordance with his sayings. Aphorism 177 At feasts, remember that you are entertaining two guests, body and soul. What you give to the body, you presently lose. What you give to the soul, you keep forever. Aphorism 178 At meals see to it that those who serve be not more in number than those who are served. It is absurd for a crowd of persons to be dancing attendance on half a dozen chairs. Aphorism 179 It is best to share with your attendants what is going forward, both in the labor of preparation and in the enjoyment of the feast itself. If such a thing be difficult at the time, recollect that you who are not weary are being served by those who are, you who are eating and drinking by those who do neither, you who are talking by those who are silent, you who are at ease by those who are under constraint. Thus, no sudden wrath will betray you into unreasonable conduct, nor will you behave harshly by irritating another. Aphorism 180 When Xanthippe was chiding Socrates for making scanty preparation for entertaining his friends, he answered, If they are friends of ours, they will not care for that. If they are not, we shall care nothing for them. Aphorism 181 Asked who is the rich man, Epictetus replied, He who is content. Aphorism 182 Favorinus tells us how Epictetus would also say that there were two faults far graver and fouler than any others, inability to bear and inability to forbear, when we neither patiently bear the blows that must be borne, nor abstain from the things and the pleasures we ought to abstain from. So, he went on, if a man will only have these two words at heart and heed them carefully by ruling and watching over himself, 
he will for the most part fall into no sin, and his life will be tranquil and serene. He meant the words, bear and forbear. Aphorism 183 On all occasions these thoughts should be at hand. Lead me, O God, and thou, O destiny. Be what it may the goal appointed me. Bravely I'll follow, nay, and if I would not, I'd prove a coward, yet must follow still. Again, who to necessity doth bow aright is learned in wisdom and the things of God. Once more, Crito, if this be God's will, so let it be, as for me, Anitus and Melitus can indeed put me to death, but injure me never. Aphorism 184 We shall then be like Socrates when we can indict hymns of praise to the gods in prison. Aphorism 185 It is hard to combine and unite these two qualities, the carefulness of one who is affected by circumstances and the intrepidity of one who heeds them not. But it is not impossible else were happiness also impossible. We should act as we do in seafaring. What can I do? Choose the master, the crew, the day, the opportunity. Then comes a sudden storm. What matters it to me? My part has been fully done. The matter is in the hands of another, the master of the ship. The ship is foundering. What then have I to do? I do the only thing that remains to me, to be drowned without fear, without a cry, without upbraiding God, but knowing that what has been born must likewise perish. For I am not eternity, but a human being, a part of the whole, as an hour is part of the day. I must come like the hour, and like the hour must pass. Aphorism 186 And now we are sending you to Rome to spy out the land. But none send a coward as such a spy that, if he hears but a noise and sees a shadow anywhere, loses his wits and comes flying to say, The enemy are upon us. So if you go now and come and tell us, Everything at Rome is terrible, death is terrible, exile is terrible, slander is terrible, want is terrible, fly, comrades, the enemy are upon us, we shall reply, Get you gone and prophesy to yourself. We have but erred in sending such a spy as you. Diogenes, who was sent as a spy long before you, brought us back another report than this. He says that death is no evil, for it need not even bring shame with it. He says that fame is but the empty noise of madmen. And what report did this spy bring us of pain, what of pleasure, what of want? That to be clothed in sackcloth is better than any purple robe, that sleeping on the bare ground is the softest couch. And in proof of each assertion, he points to his own courage, constancy, and freedom, to his own healthy and muscular frame. There is no enemy near, he cries. All is perfect peace. Aphorism 187 If a man has this peace, not the peace proclaimed by Caesar, how indeed should he have it to proclaim? Nay, but the peace proclaimed by God through reason, 
will not that suffice him when alone, when he beholds and reflects? Now can no evil happen unto me. For me there is no robber, for me no earthquake. All things are full of peace, full of tranquility. Neither highway, nor city, nor gathering of men, neither neighbor nor comrade can do me hurt. Another supplies my food, whose care it is, another my raiment. Another hath given me perceptions of sense and primary conceptions. And when he supplies my necessities no more, it is that he is sounding the retreat, that he hath opened the door, and is saying to thee, Come, whither? To naught that thou needest fear, but to thy friendly kindred elements whence thou didst spring. Whatsoever of fire is in thee, unto fire shall return. Whatsoever of earth, unto earth, of spirit, unto spirit, of water, unto water. There is no Hades, no fabled river of sighs, of lamentation, or of fire. But all things are full of being spiritual and divine. With thoughts like these, beholding the sun, moon, and stars, enjoying earth and sea, a man is neither helpless nor alone. Aphorism 188 What wouldst thou be found doing when overtaken by death? If I might choose, I would be found doing some deed of true humanity, of wide import, beneficent and noble. But if I may not be found engaged in aught so lofty, let me hope for at least this, what none may hinder, and what is surely in my power, that I may be found raising up in myself that which had fallen, learning to deal more wisely with the things of sense, working out my own tranquillity, and thus rendering that which is its due to every relation of life. If death surprise me thus employed, it is enough if I can stretch forth my hands to God and say, The faculties which I received at thy hands for apprehending this thine administration I have not neglected. As far as in me lay, I have done thee no dishonor. Behold how I have used the senses, the primary conceptions which thou gavest me. Have I ever laid anything to thy charge? Have I ever murmured at aught that came to pass, or wished it otherwise? Have I in anything transgressed the relations of life? For that thou didst beget me, I thank thee for that thou hast given. For the time during which I have used the things that were thine, it suffices me. Take them back, and place them wherever thou wilt. They were all thine, and thou gavest them me. If a man depart thus minded, is it not enough? What life is fairer and more noble? but end happier than his. Appendix A Fragments Attributed to Epictetus Fragment 1 A life entangled with fortune is like a torrent. It is turbulent and muddy, hard to pass, and masterful of mood, noisy, and of brief continuance. Fragment 2 the soul that companies with virtue is like an ever-flowing source. It is a pure, clear, and wholesome draught, sweet, rich, and generous of its store. That injures not, neither destroys. Fragment 3 
It is a shame that one who sweetens his drink with the gifts of the bee should embitter God's gift reason with vice. Fragment 4 Crows pick out the eyes of the dead when the dead have no longer need of them, but flatterers may mar the soul of the living, and her eyes they blind. Fragment 5 Keep neither a blunt knife nor an ill-disciplined looseness of tongue. Fragment 6 Nature hath given men one tongue but two ears, that we may hear from others twice as much as we speak. Fragment 7 Do not give sentence in another tribunal till you have been yourself judged in the tribunal of justice. Fragment 8 It is shameful for a judge to be judged by others. Fragment 9 Give me by all means the shorter and nobler life, instead of one that is longer, but of less account. Fragment 10 Freedom is the name of virtue, slavery of vice. None is a slave whose acts are free. Fragment 11 Of pleasures, those which occur most rarely give the most delight. Fragment 12 Exceed due measure, and the most delightful things become the least delightful. Fragment 13 The anger of an ape, the threat of a flatterer, these deserve equal regard. Fragment 14 Chastise thy passions, that they avenge not themselves upon thee. Fragment 15 No man is free who is not master of himself. Fragment 16 A ship should not ride on a single anchor, nor life on a single hope. Fragment 17 Fortify thyself with contentment. That is an impregnable stronghold. Fragment 18 no man who is a lover of money, of pleasure, of glory, is likewise a lover of men. But only he that is a lover of whatsoever things are fair and good. Fragment 19 Think of God more often than thou breathest. Fragment 20 Choose the life that is noblest, for custom can make it sweet to thee. Fragment 21 Let thy speech of God be renewed day by day, I rather than thy meat and drink. Fragment 22 Even as the sun doth not wait for prayers and incantations to rise, but shines forth and is welcomed by all, so thou also wait, not for clapping of hands and shouts and praise to do thy duty, nay, do good of thine own accord, and thou wilt be loved like the sun. Fragment 23 Let no man think that he is loved by any who loveth none. Fragment 24 If thou rememberest that God standeth by to behold and visit all that thou dost, 
whether in the body or in the soul, thou surely wilt not err in any prayer or deed, and thou shalt have God to dwell with thee. Note, Schweighauser's Great Edition collects 181 fragments attributed to Epictetus, of which but a few are certainly genuine. Some, as 21 and 24 above, bear the stamp of Pythagorean origin. Others, though changed in form, may well be based upon Epictetian sayings. Most have been preserved in the anthology of John of Stobai, or Stobias, a Byzantine collector, of whom scarcely anything is known but that he probably wrote toward the end of the 5th century and made his vast body of extracts from more than 500 authors for his son's use. The best examination of the authenticity of the fragments is Questionis Epictetii by R. Asmus, 1888. The above selection includes some of doubtful origin but intrinsic interest. Crossley Appendix B. The Hymn of Cleanthes Chiefest glory of deathless gods, almighty forever, sovereign of nature that rulest by law, what name shall we give thee? Blessed be thou, for on thee should call all things that are mortal. For that we are thine offspring, nay, all that in myriad motion lives for its day on the earth bears one impress, thy likeness upon it. Wherefore my song is of thee, and I hymn thy power for ever. Lo, the vast orb of the worlds, round the earth evermore as it rolleth, feels thee its ruler and guide, and owns thy lordship rejoicing. I, for thy conquering hands, have a servant of living fire, sharp is the bolt. Where it falls, nature shrinks at the shock, and doth shudder. Thus thou directest the word universal, that pulses through all things, mingling its life with lights that are great and lights that are lesser, e'en as beseemeth its birth, high king through ages unending. Naught is done that is done without thee in the earth or the waters or in the heights of heaven, save the deed of the fool and the sinner. Thou canst make rough things smooth. At thy voice, low, jarring disorder moveth to music, and love is born where hatred abounded. Thus hast thou fitted alike things good and things evil together, that over all might reign one reason, supreme and eternal, though thereunto the hearts of the wicked be hardened and heedless. Woe unto them! For while ever their hands are grasping at good things, blind are their eyes, yea, stopped are their ears to God's law universal, calling through wise disobedience to live the life that is noble. This they mark not, but heedless of right turn each to his own way, here a heart fired with ambition, in strife and straining unhallowed, there thrusting honor aside, fast set upon getting and gaining, others again given over to lusts and dissolute softness, working never God's law, but that which weareth upon it. Nay, but, O giver of all things good, whose home is the dark cloud, thou that wields heaven's bolt, save men from their ignorance grievous. 
scatter its night from their souls and grant them to come to that wisdom wherewithal sistered with justice thou rulest and governest all things that we honored by thee may requite thee with worship and honor evermore praising thy works as is meet for men that shall perish seeing that none be he mortal or god hath privilege nobler than without stint without stay to extol thy law universal end of the golden sayings of epictetus by epictetus translated by hastings crossley recording by doug wetzel